0: blue wire
1: cool let's do this
0: yeah let's do it
1: let's get this over with because i'm sore and i'm tired and i don't want to do anything but lay in my bed
0: the end (laughs) end of
1: podcast goodbye
0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Unsalvageable, a Utah jazz podcast, part of the Blue Wire podcast network with me, Sarah Todd, jazz beat reporter for Deseret News, and as always, my co-host, Greg Foster. Greg, I'm starting to get bronzed. I've spent some days at the pool with you, spent a day at the lake with Colin and some other friends, and I'm, I'm enjoying the off season.
1: I'm happy for you. I really am. It's so f-ing hot.
0: It's so hot. Colin and I are driving out to California uh, on Friday.
1: Oh, you're doing that I 80 trip through Reno, right? Yep. Oh.
0: And then it's just like the five or the 99 in California. So it's yeah. just all garbage. Thoughts uh, and prayers. Thank you very much.
1: Oh, that's such a drive.
0: And like, I'm calling my family and they're like getting ready for our arrival. And I'm like, what's the weather like? And my brother's been called out to fires because he works on those. And they're like, oh, it's 105 here. And I'm like, great, can't wait to be there. Super. (laughs) It's not humid, it's dry heat, which I prefer, unlike men. That was a welcomed respite when I was living in Philadelphia and it'd be like 95 degrees, 1 billion percent humidity. And then I would go back to California and be like, I don't care that it's 110 in Sacramento right now. It's better.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I remember living in Philly and being like, you know, looking at the weather report and being like, oh, cool. So it's a three shirt day.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly. Because you, I would walk down, I I lived like on a, a three story, like walk up and I would walk down the stairs, but as soon as I opened the door to my apartment to the stairwell, it was like, "Oh, I'm already sweating, and I'm only going downstairs, so this is going to be great."
1: (laughs) Yeah, all you can do in a in a situation like that is just like invest hundreds of thousands of dollars in dry fit clothing.
0: (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Under Armour, for everything that you've done for me.
1: (laughs) Toss some of that uh, rat or ad revenue money our way. Yeah, tip that out.
0: Under Armour, if you're listening.
1: (laughs) Holler at your boy and girl.
0: Uh, It's the off season, but like we've said in previous podcasts, we've got plenty to talk about. I think that today is going to kind of be the biggest bow that we can put on the 2020-21 season. We're going to be grading every player on the roster. There are 17 of them, and we've got letter grades for them all with a small exception for one player who did not receive a letter grade, but we'll get to that later on down the end of the roster. Without further ado, do you want to just get into this?
1: Yeah, let's just go ahead and dive in. You know, it is a pool themed episode, so.
0: (laughs) Welcome to the diving board. (laughs) One thing that I'll say about sort of the, the grading system is that there is no system. There's no rubric or formula to evaluating NBA players. You can't just like spit in some numbers and then it spits out a perfect grade that gives you context. So we're not a bunch of
1: nerds people.
0: No, it's my own grading system. I weighted things how I believed that they should be weighted. So that's how this is going. And I spent a lot of time thinking about this because I wrote, I wrote all of it down in many thousands of words that will be on deseret.com. So if you'd prefer not to hear my voice, but please listen to us. Don't stop listening. Uh, you can go and read that there.
1: Go Wade in the in the comment section.
0: Oh, please don't. <laughs> Whatever you do,
1: don't scroll all the way to the bottom.
0: Let's start with our guy, Donovan Mitchell.
1: I don't think you can really say anything other than Donovan Mitchell was spectacular. Yeah. In both the regular season and in the postseason. And a little heads up to the listener, we are factoring in playoff performance in these grades absolutely you, you have to grade players when it matters most and in times where it mattered most donovan was the jazz's best player far and away especially offensively i mean he he was a on almost 44 percent three-point shooter which he's never been before there were i forgot how many times he just straight up carried the offense and, and willed the team to victory You know, there was that game uh, that comes to mind where Lou Dort was locking him up Mm -hmm. all game, just giving him fits. And then all of a sudden Donovan goes off for like, I don't know, I think it was like 14 or 16 points in the fourth quarter. And the jazz squeak out a win in Oklahoma city that they had no business winning because they played like garbage. And that's the type of player that Donovan Mitchell has evolved into. It's no longer debatable that he's a star. If you're going to have... Some sort of argument about Donovan Mitchell is like, is he a superstar right because he's achieved star status
0: yeah, and I think i mean i'm I'm completely fine going on record and saying that I think Donovan Mitchell is a superstar there there are plenty plenty superstars that we would consider so around the league that have not made deep playoff runs, but their play is significant enough to where You can't deny what he was able to do. I think that, I think that having Mike Conley around the last two years has been Mm -hmm. so beneficial to his game, the way that it has slowed down for him, he's under more control. He's, you know, he's got more assists and rebounds than he ever had in his career. And, and that's after adding someone like Mike Conley to the roster, who is going to have the ball in their hands more. Uh, And he hasn't taken a step back. He's only improved his game every single year. He continues to improve and he still has so far to go. We don't even know what the ceiling is at this point. And like you said, I mean, after an incredible regular season and then what he was able to do in the playoffs on a bum ankle. It was nothing short of phenomenal. It was, it was one of the most impressive things I've seen from a basketball player. He averaged 32 points and shot 40, 43.5% from three point range during the playoffs Mm
2: -hmm.
0: on a bad ankle. I don't think that we would be able to do this grading with Donovan Mitchell without saying those things, because it just, it was, it was mind boggling what he was able to do.
1: Yeah. I saw a tweet earlier today that kind of really put things into perspective. And last year in the bubble, which a lot of people say, you know, oh, it was the bubble. It's an anomaly. We can't, or we can only take so much stock in these stats. And against the Nuggets, Donovan averaged 36, 5, and 5, mm-hmm. which is out of this world numbers. Those are Jordan esque numbers in the playoffs. Like he right. was fabulous. The, Jazz did not lose that series because of Donovan Mitchell. Certainly. I know we've, not. We've, we've, we've talked about how like he made some mistakes and turnovers, what, whatever. He was still a main, a huge reason why that series went seven games in the first place. Against the Clippers, again, didn't get the the W. But the man averaged 35, five, and five. One point less than he did against the Nuggets in the bubble, shooting a better percentage. And, and on a bum ankle. And yeah, was on a bum ankle.
0: Yeah. And I don't think that but, bum ankle even like starts to describe it. Like we've, we've talked about it so much. The man was in pain.
1: It was apparent. He was wincing. He couldn't jump and he was still, he was still just killing dudes and good defenders too, that they were throwing at him and they threw the, the Clippers through the entire kitchen sink at Donovan Mitchell and it didn't matter.
0: Right. And I think, you know, if there's, if there's anything that we can say about Donovan and knock to his game, It's that he has slipped defensively Mm
2: -hmm.
0: over the last, I'd say like two, three years, you've seen a little bit of a drop off. And so I will say that, you know, if I, if I'd like to see improvement from him, it's on that end. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I guess if you're, if you're looking at him as kind of a whole person, not just on the court, he's got a bit of a hot temper. We know that about him what we also know about him is that he cools off after a period. And so it's not something that I'm really worried about, but it is something to think about as a person, as a competitor uh, to look at situations that you get angry about and to evaluate how you react to them. Yeah. And I honestly, those are really the only knocks to his game because if you're going to knock anything else, um, maybe the spots that he chooses sometimes when he kind of uh, goes into hero mode, but I think, in the especially this season, in those moments where he does go into hero mode, he does it well. Mm-hmm. He's very good at it. <laughs> and so yeah. I don't think that's, a, that's as much of a criticism as he would have had maybe in the past few years. So for me, Donovan gets a solid A on the season.
1: Yeah. I'm not going to push back at all on that. A for me as well. Way to go. Donovan Dean's list.
0: Now, Rudy Gobert is a is an interesting test subject for a grading system because Mm -hmm. you have to take into account the kinds of criticisms that are going to come with anything you say about Rudy Gobert. And those criticisms are absolutely fair. You'll say things like, he doesn't do well in a five-out lineup, closeout times in the playoffs were bad. He wasn't moving as laterally quickly as you would have liked to have seen. And those are absolutely fair criticisms, especially for that Clipper series. But I think that those criticisms are more so criticisms on the Jazz's roster construction rather yes. than Rudy Gobert. Because I think when you're evaluating a player like Rudy, the, one of the most important questions is what was he asked to do?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What, what was expected of him? And then how did he perform in, what he, in that realm of what he was expected to do? Yeah. And Rudy Gobert did exactly what was asked of him. He was just put in a situation.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's totally true. And we talked about that in the the postmortem episode, where it was as much a part of of the Jazz's scheme as it was their their roster construction. The Jazz went all in on traditional basketball, pick and roll, and rim protection. And who's a better pick and roll finisher, especially when it comes to dunks? Who's a better rim protector in the league than Rudy Gobert? Right. That's not to say that he's not limited and it's, it's, it's completely right. He's not great. When it comes to closing out, he doesn't do well against five out lineups, but ultimately let's not, I guess that's not really his job.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's sometimes it's hard with a guy like Rudy and I, I do dock him a little bit when we talk about the offensive side of the ball. You know, mm-hmm. you would love to see, we talked about that in the postmortem too. You'd love to see Rudy with a little bit of a baby hook or to just have a little bit better touch. Sometimes you can see the inconsistency for when he goes up hard for a rebound versus when he's not really trying for a rebound. And you'd like to, you'd like to see that consistency, especially mm-hmm. during the playoffs, but I can't, I can't really knock the guy for being exhausted when the Jazz's scheme was funnel everything to Rudy Gobert but also our first line of defense isn't going to work that well so it's going to be four players coming at you at once.
1: Yeah, it just it simply doesn't work unless somehow Rudy Gobert evolves into an octopus with eight arms.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I think you know the criticisms for his offensive game are more fair. I think that the criticisms for the Jazz's defensive scheme is fair. You know, if we were giving the jazz a grade, I think it would be lower if we were yes. giving the jazz a grade for how they utilized Rudy Gobert. I think it would be lower, but we're talking about a guy who played 71 games during the regular season. He was arguably the most defensively reliable. He was the defensively most re- reliable person on the roster.
1: Mm-hmm. He was the and, most defensively reliable player in the NBA.
0: Yeah. He won defensive player of the year. He's a three time time DPOY. that's why the jazz paid him a max extension he has not not done what has been asked of him and i think that that is what's most important
1: yeah i couldn't agree more
0: and so with sort of the offensive deficiencies that we've seen that haven't haven't really improved i give a little bit of a minus but again rudy we've talked about this plenty of times too. Rudy was specifically not a part of the offensive scheme. He took mm-hmm. a lesser role in that. And so, you know, that's again, that's on the jazz. And so f- for the season, for the playoffs, I give him an a minus.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's totally fair. And I mean, to your point too, about the scheme, like when you've got boy on and Donovan and Joe Ingles and Mike Conley and all these other guys who are fabulous shooters. And, you know, Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench, who's was just nothing more than a, a certified bucket getter. Do you really want Rudy Gobert shooting contested 12 foot jumpers? No, no. So while you would like to see Rudy's game expand, it's not necessarily completely on him. And I agree with you that with that, I think an a minus is, is a super solid grade for him. I mean, the man was, again, three-time defensive player of the year. He was, uh, he's now a two-time all-star. He is, I think, a three-time all-NBA guy now. He's a fabulous player. And he's the best in the world at what he does. He's just limited in in just that, what he does.
0: Exactly. On to the third all-star of the team, Mike Conley Jr.
1: The resurgence.
0: I think that it would be irresponsible to give Mike Conley anything other than some form of of an A for this season. He was awesome. It's crazy to me like how many people I see on social media that are mad that the Jazz spent money on him the last couple of years and that they're, they're like, well, if we don't resign him, it's not the end of the world. It's like you were not watching this team this year.
1: Who, who are you? Okay, just to the, to the people there. Who are you replacing Mike Conley with? Who? I have no idea. Who? Give, yeah. me, some, give me some names. And give also- me someone at 33 years old who became an all-star. Who had his best shooting season in his career. He's been in the league like, I don't know, 74 years now. You
0: also, it's not like who you're replacing him with. It's just, you're not replacing him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Case in point. Like I said, he was
0: so instrumental, I think to Donovan's growth the last couple of years. And I think that no other demonstration is a good representation of how important Mike Conley was than how the jazz performed against the Clippers. Mm-hmm. There were tons of problems. Like, yes, the Jazz need better wing defense. Yes, the Jazz were playing a traditional center against a switching five-out lineup that they they couldn't keep up with. But the Jazz most certainly would have fared better if Mike Conley could have been on the floor through that entire series.
1: Yeah, I don't think you're. I don't think you get a lot of pushback on that. What I think, and maybe I'm assuming, and we know what happens when when. I assume. (laughs) You only. (laughs) Yes, me only. (laughs) I think the thing that that jazz fans get upset about is that he wasn't on the floor and he has been injury prone.
0: Right. That's not something that I'm willing to dock Mike Conley for. Right. We're really at the first time in his career and the, and father time is undefeated but we're we're just now getting to the first time in his career where we're realizing that that is an issue
2: mm-hmm.
0: when we get down to joe Ingles, it'll be a dip, a little bit of a different conversation because it's not the first time that we've seen this
1: we got questions
0: yeah but with mike conley now we have sort of a blueprint that says okay You know, you've got some soft tissue injuries that start to crop up when you get later in your career. And we know that it was an issue for you this year down the home stretch of the season and into the playoffs. So we're going to have to load manage you a little bit better. It's not just going to be on back to backs. We're going to have to rest you and make sure that you're there uh, during the postseason. That's on that's on the jazz. Part of it's on Mike to, you know, speak up and say what's happening with his body. But he's a very responsible player. He does that anyway. And so that's, that's just a, it's a pivot point now in his career. And Mm -hmm. I'm not willing yet to dock Mike Conley points for that.
1: And he's just, he's too good of a player. He's too beloved. Everything you hear coming out of the jazz front office from Quinn Snyder, from his teammates is Mike's incredible. We love him. You know, there was the Joe Ingalls quote at the end of the season. He's like, I don't, you know, if I need to get on a plane and have lunch with him in his house in Ohio. I'm going to do that. Like this is a guy who is beloved by the Utah jazz organization and he's been awesome. You've got to do everything in your power to keep him on his team.
0: Yeah. There are definitely questions about his longevity and those are questions honestly that are, are for the front office. Those are when they're discussing with him free agency this summer, when they're, you know, coming to him with an offer. I think that longevity and his injury concerns are something that they'll be able to leverage. It's also something to think about for length of contract, but I, again, I don't think that that's something that plays into how, how he performed this season. He was an all-star for the first time in his career. Like you said, he had the best season of his career he was revered league-wide for the way that he performed. I give him also an A-.
1: I think that's totally fair. I think the only thing you can really knock Mike on this season was that he missed some time due to injury.
0: Exactly. Boyan Bogdanovich. When I was sort of thinking and writing through evaluating Boyan for the season, what mm-hmm. became apparent is that he's freaking fantastic. We have to remember that... It's almost like he missed an entire season because of injury, because he was out for nine months. And that was during a period of time when it wasn't like he was able to like slowly rehab back and, you know, play three on three and then four on four and then five on five. It was isolation. And so we're talking about you know, during the pandemic, he was rehabbing from his wrist surgery and that made things even more difficult. He was coming into a situation where he was kind of set up to fail through basically at least the first half of the season. Mm -hmm. And we saw him struggle a little bit. You know, he had his wrist taped up. He was wearing a brace. Sometimes he didn't like the way it felt. He was struggling with his shot. It was very up and down. But during that time, we also saw him develop his post game even more.
1: Yes. Yeah. I thought that was huge.
0: And also during that time, it wasn't, it wasn't like he wasn't contributing. It was like, he was always there. He was always really consistent scoring points and making it happen. It wasn't always pretty. And then when Don and Mike went out at the end of the season, it It was was like, yeah, it was like, he was like, oh yeah. Okay, fine. I'll step up and carry the team. It was really incredible what we saw from him and steps that he took on the defensive end were honestly, it's bonuses in my opinion, because you don't go out and get a guy like Boyan Bogdanovich thinking, oh, we're going to get like a three and D guy. No, you get him because he's a sniper.
1: Yeah, you get him because he's one of the best shooters in the NBA.
0: And then, and it's not like he played like great defense throughout the regular season. It was like hit or miss when he was good. But again, Mm -hmm. I think that that's, those are bonus moments. Right, But then when the playoffs came around, he was absolutely incredible. He was like one of the only reliable guys on offense during the playoffs. One that we couldn't criticize too much night in and night out. And then mm-hmm. the way that he played Kawhi Leonard blew my freaking mind. Yep. I have like almost zero criticism for Boyan.
1: I think my, I will push back. My criticism a little bit is, and, and like, granted, I understand coming off of injury. I guess I'm just not going to give it the pass that you did. Right. Cause I think he did start the season fairly slow. He did. And there was, it was, there was some real trepidation, at least from, my, from me and other Jazz fans of like not really knowing which boy on was going to show up at the beginning of the season. That, that went out the window, especially post All Star break and in the playoffs. I thought he was really solid and did everything you could you could have asked for. But I I think I give Boyon a B to B plus because of that that inconsistency at the beginning of the season.
0: Yeah, I and I understand that. I I understand. You know, if you if you're just looking at the 2021 season and not taking into or at least not weighing him coming back from that wrist injury i completely understand that the struggles that they're in the early part of the season are hard to look past it just it impressed me the way that he worked through it like i said the the post game development during that time and also his commitment to getting contact and making sure that he's getting it in a way that sends him to the line so that he could get some easy buckets and try to find Mm -hmm. a rhythm there that really impressed me too and like i said it was not always pretty but i really respect that i i give him an a i know that that's you know taking into account the nine months previous to the season but i'm doing it again grading system has no rules
1: (laughs) he gets a b from me i was gonna say which like if Noah sends me his report card when he's in high school and it's straight B's and he gets a 3.0, happy man. Hey, Listen. C's get degrees. C's get degrees, B's. Or even B's. better. <laughs> B's, that gets you a night out. Gets you Dairy Queen from me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> take him to get a blizzard. Blizzard for right.
1: B. <laughs> B for blizzard, exactly. Yeah.
0: The final member of the starting lineup, Royce O'Neill this is kind of where I think things get a little bit more tricky for me mm-hmm. because if I ask the same questions, like did you do what you were asked to do for at least the most part of the regular season for Royce? I can say, yes, you did what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And I really don't have a problem with what he was able to do, especially on the defensive end. Cause that's where he makes his money. That's that's the reason they extended his contract. That's why he's making money is because He's a great perimeter defender and he is, there is so much that is asked of him in that role because it's not just like play good defense. It's like play good defense against all of the best players Everyone. in the world. Every single night you have a horribly tough task.
1: Yeah. And you're going from like guarding Julius Randall one night to Trey young the next.
0: Right. It's yeah, exactly. Different types of players, different heights, sizes, skill sets. And it's all, you know, it's Trey, Luca, Julius Randle, LeBron James. Like that could be your weekly lineup for who you have to defend. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I've, you told me the stat uh, a few episodes ago that he led the league in minutes guarding the other team's number one option. Yes. By like a fairly large margin. Yes. Yeah. You just don't get a guy uh, with those kind of instincts who's that. Quick, as well as that strong. I mean, Royce o'neill is the prototypical three and D player in the NBA. He
0: is. He's. I think he's like whatever the whatever the tier is right underneath thick and jacked. He's -hmm. in that. He's in that tier.
1: (laughs) Yoke and strokes.
0: (laughs) I don't like it. (laughs) I immediately don't
1: don't like it. (laughs) Terrible. That's really bad.
2: As soon as you said it, I don't like it.
1: (laughs) No. Anyway, um, he's, he's strong and he's quick and he shoots well, and that's what the jazz asked him to do.
0: Similarly to Rudy Gobert, there were problems in the playoffs that can be attributed to the jazz's roster construction. Mm-hmm. You know, Royce O'Neal cannot be expected to guard the entirety of the perimeter by himself.
1: Yeah, you can't, you can't ask him to guard Marcus Morris and then somehow switch on a Reggie Jackson and then somehow cut off a Paul George drive. Like He can't do that, it all alone. No, he can't. And I think that was the biggest thing that was exposed about the Jazz in that Clippers series was the lack of depth and the lack of defensive versatility.
0: And you know, to his credit, Royce O'Neal is a man of very few words. And he was the only one during exit interviews at the end of the season who straight out came out and said, I think we need another wing guy.
1: That's super refreshing to hear.
0: And it's telling coming from the guy who is your best wing defender.
1: Yeah. Well, and you usually don't get, you know, role players because essentially what he's saying is, Hey, I need some help. Exactly. Usually that's what you hear from your stars.
0: Right, and he he said he listed he's like well, you know we got Don Mike Joe and me, and it was clear that he was talking about defenders when he's listing off these names. Yeah, and he's like, I think we need another wing guy to help us out.
1: Mm-hmm. And yes,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, Royce, I heard. I heard him totally saying, right. I heard him say that, and it's like you know. We also talked to Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck and Quinn Snyder and no, nobody was really willing to specifically come out and say, we need wing defense because ours isn't good enough. And he was the only one. And like I said, man, a few words, but he was like, yeah, you got us guys. And then I think we need another wing guy. I really appreciated that from him.
1: Yeah. That's, that's super refreshing to hear from a guy. And that's exactly what you want to hear from a guy like that on your team.
0: Yeah. Now, like I said, similarly to Rudy Gobert, I think some of the defensive problems were the Jazz's fault during the playoffs, Mm -hmm. but there were times when Royce was not good. There were times where he just straight up missed rotations or he got caught late on a switch or he switched when he wasn't supposed to, there were inconsistencies that Mm -hmm. you can't really look past when you have a guy like Royce because, and the reason that you can't look past them is because he's not aggressive enough on the offensive end. Yes. And so when he misses those defensive moments, it they're so much more glaring than they are with anybody else. And, you know, we've talked about it. It's been talked about a couple of years now, his hesitancy at the three-point line. And every once in a while, you'll get a night where he'll just start, you know, he's like mm-hmm. trigger happy. He's just letting them fly. You should not be shocked when a guy like Royce O'Neill shoots the ball. Yes. And that's that's what upsets me is that when he is early and aggressive with that shot it surprises me and it absolutely shouldn't
1: that was a recurring theme in the playoffs in both both series like i lost count of the amount of times i would scream on my tv Royce shoot the ball yeah exactly or like royce drive
0: yeah and when he does it it almost always works when he has an early release He knocks those shots down at an incredible rate. He's a great 40
1: something percent, three point shooter. He was awesome this year, but the timidity has to go.
0: It absolutely has to Royce O'Neal shot 46.7% from three point range during the playoffs.
1: Yeah. You got to shoot bro.
0: You've got when, when you are open, you have to shoot. You can't hesitate.
1: Agreed. And I would like to see, I mean, I know that Royce O'Neal is never going to be a number one option he's never going to be a number two option he's never going to be a number three option yeah but i do want to see more out of him offensively i know yeah. he's a three and d guy but like Add a floater to your game, like be able. Like, but to... like you said,
0: he's he's so strong. He's stronger than mm-hmm. you think he is. And when he goes in and like aggressively drives to the hoop, I mean, he dunks and yeah. he gets to the rim pretty easily. He's incredibly capable. And I know that that's a lot to ask of a guy. When again, you lead the league in minutes guarding top options when you're uh-huh. expending that much energy on the other side. I'm not asking him, like you said, he's not the first, second, or third option. <laughs> But when he has an opening or he's got a seam that he can take, take
1: it. Yes, exactly. That's my, that's my biggest knock on on Royce O'Neal. I think the Jazz butt off a little more than they could chew when it comes to Royce O'Neal this season. Yes. That's not on his, him, you know? I think there's still a knock that he's not great at guarding super quick guards. You know, he struggled staying in front of John Morant. In the Memphis series, he had all sorts of trouble last year with Jamal Murray. That's a recurring problem, which like, if you're the jazz, you've got to, like, it's been diagnosed at this point, you have to remedy the problem. And, right. Yeah. By, you know, I'm not going to knock Royce on that. Cause again, I think he was asked to do far too much this season.
0: I give him a B, B minus. I would still like to see some improvement. The issues that he had were glaring because of his lack of aggression on the offensive end. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think he is incredibly capable of fixing those problems.
1: Yeah. I give him a B and he exceeded my expectations for him this season. He was good. Yeah. He was very good. And a B is a good grade. Again, you get straight B's on your report card. That's a 3.0. That's solid.
0: Exactly. Why don't you give me your thoughts on the sixth man of the year, Jordan Clarkson.
1: Jordan Clarkson has one job.
0: get buckets
1: exactly score <laughs> score in bunches yep what did Jordan Clarkson do this season
0: he I uh, let me think he scored and he scored in bunches
1: yeah he got buckets <laughs> yes, with a did. capital B that's what you went out and traded him for and with that there was not a better bucket getter in the league coming off the bench than Jordan Clarkson congratulations kid you got yourself an A
0: yeah I just want to quickly push back on what I think a lot of people thought about Jordan Clarkson in during the playoffs because, and there were times where I thought it too, where it was like, if you're the jazz, you need more from Jordan Clarkson. And again, that's that, that was not a Jordan Clarkson problem. Yep. The jazz needed more from Jordan Clarkson because their all-star backcourt was injured because they weren't getting anything from Joe Ingalls that's not Jordan Clarkson's fault, and that's not the type of player he is. He can't slide into a Mike Conley role. He can't slide into a Joe <laughs> Ingles role. He should not be expected to pick up slack for what Donovan Mitchell isn't able to do because he can't pivot or break off of that ankle. Jordan Clarkson gets buckets and gets bucket and bunches.
1: Mm-hmm. Not only that, Jordan Clarkson's a shooting guard. Don't yeah. ask you shooting guard to play point guard. That's, yeah. not, that's not what he does, which again... The Jazz know exactly what they need to do in this off season. Go get a backup point guard.
0: Yeah, he won Sixth Man of the Year. He won it basically running away. He was the Jazz's second leading scorer through an throughout the entirety of the season as a sixth man. He did exactly what he needed to do, and and he's actually playing under more control than I've ever seen him play before.
1: Mm-hmm. That little move where he's able to drive into the paint. And either get the, the, layup outright, or he'll just use his shoulder to create that little bit of space and shoot that turnaround jumper or that floater. He was so good this year at using his body. You know what it really did remind me of, and maybe this is something that he gleaned off of Mike Conley, but it reminds me of the same way that Mike Conley plays Right. super under control is able to use his body to his advantage. We're able to like find little seams, little, little pockets of space to get the shot off. Jordan Clarkson was awesome this year.
0: Yeah. That move that you're talking about. That's actually interesting because it's like, he saw what Mike Conley does where Mike Conley will get in the pick and roll and he'll use that search dribble. He's very slow Mm -hmm. and deliberate. And it's like Jordan Clarkson saw that and he's like, okay, I'm not slow and I'm not deliberate, but I know that I can keep my handle no matter what happens. And so sometimes he looks a little frenetic when he gets into that. He like gets into the lane and he's pivoting and dribbling around like three different guys. But then, like you said, he finds just that tiny little bit of space that he needs and gets that little push shot off. And he's very, very, very smart player. Did exactly what was asked of him. Absolutely. Jordan Clarkson, you get an A. And now we get into the weeds.
1: (laughs) yep this is joe, gonna be tough
0: joe ingles
1: my man it's so <laughs> for me with joe ingles there's such a contrast yeah because again much like boy on he started the season off slow i remember having talks in the group chat with some some of the the boys saying like is this dude gonna play another season in the NBA Yeah, like, he looks washed he looked he, he looked disinterested he looked tired mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden some wire got crossed some light bulb popped in his head and the dude was lights out and shot nearly 50 40 90 and was the backup point guard for the jazz and had a phenomenal season and if jordan clarkson wasn't as fabulous as he was we're talking about joe ingles as the sixth man of the year
0: exactly he
1: was the seventh man of the year
0: he had an incredible regular season Mm
1: -hmm.
0: absolutely incredible and i think that's what makes it difficult because he was almost invisible
1: throughout the playoffs that man was doo-doo butt (laughs) in the playoffs Yeah, and that I hate saying that but he was awful on both sides of the ball
0: yeah and that's the thing it was both sides and this isn't something like with Mike Conley where you're thinking okay this is the first time that he's fallen off after the regular season we need to you know Manage him a little bit better throughout the regular season. This is what the third straight year where he's almost completely disappeared during the playoffs.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's officially a problem at this point.
0: Right. Uh, Our mistakes and problems theme that we've carried through this podcast. And this is this is now a problem.
1: It's a problem to the point where you need someone to replace him in certain aspects of what the Jazz do.
0: Right. That, that's and when, how,
1: like you need a backup point guard because of just how badly Joe Ingalls was exposed in that Clipper series and just how non-existent he was against the Grizzlies.
0: Right. When you're talking about a guy like Jordan Clarkson where you're like the Jazz needed more from him because of the the lack of what they were getting elsewhere, that's that actually the responsibility falls on Joe Ingalls' shoulders. Mm-hmm the jazz needed more from Joe. They needed him to step up when Mike Conley wasn't able to play against the Clippers. They needed him to be more aggressive on the offensive end when Donovan Mitchell couldn't score 50, which is like insane that I'm even saying that. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't there. And then when the defense was breaking down and we're talking about a guy like Royce who can't guard three guys at one time, where was Joe Ingalls?
1: Joe Ingalls is getting blown by, by Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and Terrence Mann and Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris and Dylan Brooks and John Morant and triple J and, 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 and.
0: Yeah. And also I don't, I don't really respect the argument that like, you know, he carried, he, he was carrying the ball handling responsibilities through that home stretch of the season. And he was fatigued by that. All right. If, if that's, what's going to break you for the playoffs, then that five, six day rest that you had in between the first and second round should have done wonders for you. Uh-huh. And it did not, he was still not there. And so it just leaves me questioning if he can't be present during the playoffs, then is it worth having him for the regular season? Cause the jazz are at a point now where being good during the regular season is not good enough.
1: It didn't like, and I think we we found that out. I would have much rather the Jazz sat some guys during the regular season or extended the rotation and ended up as like the three seed, right? Instead of getting the one seed and having the the wheels fall off. Yeah, yeah. I think that was a huge, huge problem. We can knock, you know, we can give Quinn Snyder a letter grade, and if we are, that's something that I'm grading him pretty harshly on.
0: Yeah. I think that, you know, for me, the regular season highs from Joe Ingalls just weren't enough to counter the lows from the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And so for that, I give him a C, C plus the plus representative, I guess, of the regular season.
1: I'm not going to go as harsh as you, but I do think you bring up a, a really good point. He was Joe Ingles was detrimental to the jazz in the playoffs. Yeah. Having him in, especially playing big minutes cost the jazz severely. However, I do think like he did have one of the greatest shooting seasons in the history of the NBA. I think at one point he would had like the highest true shooting percentage in the NBA. I think that he throughout the regular season was fabulous as the backup point guard. And there were quite a few games that he was super reliable, but man, that playoff performance. Um, I'm kind of in between like a B minus C plus for the season. And I'm kind of going more towards the C plus.
0: And that's hard to say for guys that are so beloved and had such good regular seasons. But again, even if you take all that into account, the playoffs from Joe Ingles were hard.
1: Even if Joe Ingles was his regular season, just like posted his average numbers in the playoffs, the jazz probably have a much better chance of winning that series. I'm not going to say that like Joe Ingles was the X factor, no. but you know, he has a game where he goes out and he does get 15 and shoots. Well, maybe they do get one of those games that they dropped. Who knows? I mean, it's all hypotheticals, but the fact of the matter is Joe Ingles was cheeks in the playoffs
0: on average i think it was about 10 points a game through the playoffs rough and that's just it's just not enough
1: especially when you're giving up 20 30 points a game on whomever you're guarding
0: and i get that the jazz weren't like generating the the kind of open looks especially through the last like four games of that series as they were before but Joe Ingalls has the skill set and the repertoire to be able to generate his own looks. And he just didn't.
1: Yeah. And much like Royce O'Neal, how many times were we texting each other and like screaming at our TVs, like Joe shoot the goddamn ball.
0: Yeah. He was hesitant. And, and he, like you said, he was, it was like, he was disinterested. I mean, there were some loose balls and some 50, 50 balls where he just straight up didn't even go for him.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And those were the moments that were really disappointing. Cause that's, that's not even like it's lack of energy. It's just lack of effort.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am uh, real glad I'm not Justin Zanuck this summer.
0: Yeah. Moving on to an- another sort of tough case Derek Favors.
1: Oh, man. This is the one that hurts the most. Yeah. Because I was so thrilled that the Jazz upgraded their roster got rid of tony bradley brought back derek favors i was i thought it was a great move i was super excited you know my baby boy is coming home right and they gave him the full mid-level contract and they the jazz throughout the entire season did not get much uh roi from him yeah and that sucks a whole bunch of sh-
0: yeah. And I think if we separate the regular season and the playoffs with him, look at him as two separate entities, it doesn't help the case because I think that he basically performed the same way in both where there were flashes during the regular season. There were like a handful of games mm-hmm. where it was like, holy crap, There, there he is. There's Derek there, Yeah,
1: there's the Derek Favors of old where if you go back, I don't know, six, seven years, we're arguing about whether it's him or Gordon Hayward right. who is going to lead the Jazz. Like back when Derek Favors was dropping 16 and eight and was like, kind of thought of as like maybe a fringe all-star kind of player.
0: A handful of games during a 72-game season are not mm-hmm. enough. Doesn't work. It's not enough. And too many times during the regular season you know, a lot of people were saying that oh, is such an upgrade over Tony Bradley. That shouldn't be the
1: standard. No, that's <laughs> you're talking about the floor, man. Yeah. Like you invested ribeye money. Right. To replace an Arctic circle hamburger.
0: And then you go to the playoffs and there were four games during the entirety of the playoffs where Derek favors had Absolutely beautiful, perfect nights. Mm-hmm. There were like two games against the Grizzlies where we we're like, "Hallelujah, Derek Favors!" If this is what you're getting in the playoffs, then the MLE is worth it. There were two mm-hmm. games. I think it was you know the two games that the Jazz won in that Clipper series where it was like, "There yeah. he is, that's the Derek Favors." And then at that point, you're thinking, "If this is what you get during the playoffs, then fine. It's he can it. he can suck during the regular season. Who cares?" But a handful of games is not enough.
1: Yeah. Especially when you're paying a guy that kind of money. No. Like that contract. I'm really interested to see what happens with Derek favors in this off season, because during those four losses, much like Joe Ingalls, that man was a liability. Absolutely. And, he was. I mean, Ty Lue came out and said to the media. Yeah. When Derek favors is in the game, we are going to the rim. Yeah,
0: we're going to the man gave him. up
1: the game. The man gave up the game plan and just straight up challenged Derek Favors, protect the rim and stop them, and he couldn't do it.
0: Yeah, and if I mean if it's that obvious and if it's that clear that he can't do it, again, a handful of good games are not enough to justify what the Jazz are spending on him. It's not enough to make up for the deficiencies in the games where he's not there, and. It, it was just really disappointing and it's disappointing because I, I know the reverence that jazz fans have for Derek favors. And I understand the love that they have for him. He's not the same Derek favors and he's just not good enough anymore. Yeah.
1: When Derek favors first left, I wrote a super long blog talking about, about how much I loved him. how important he was to the, to the jazz franchise, how much I appreciated him. I mean, he had that injury um, to his back. That <laughs> get over here, come up here. You want to say hi to Sarah? I'm very fine?
0: Oh,
1: okay, fine. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fight you. Thought we anyway. were gonna
0: have a very special guest, uh, but apparently he doesn't want to be on the show. <laughs> he,
1: no, we're Greg's, all of this out.
0: Greg's kid hates me.
2: <laughs>
1: He might hate me, too, right now, which I don't really understand. (laughs) Anyway, you have Derek, who's looking like a burgeoning all-star, the big acquisition post-Darren Williams, or or with the Darren Williams trade, and was looking like like a franchise cornerstone. Has the back injury, the Jazz draft, Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert quickly proves that he's better than Derek Favors. Derek Favors takes that in stride, and I know That was not easy for him i know there were all sorts of nights where he was sitting in his locker after the game frustrated shaking his head being confused and the man showed utmost class teamsmanship was just he's just been that that quintessential lunch pail guy that jazz fans have loved since the beginning of the franchise right he's still that guy off the court. He's not that dude on the court anymore. And he was objectively bad this season.
0: Yeah. I give him, I give him a C. And I think that at times that's probably being
1: generous. You're, you're being even nicer than me. I give him like a D plus. He was good for about a handful of games. That is simply not enough for the role he's in and the money he's getting paid. And if I'm the jazz, if I'm Justin Zanuck, I don't know how I do it, but I do try to trade that contract.
0: Next guy on the list is George Niang.
1: Oh, this one's hard.
0: I come at this one trying to be as objective as possible because I think that there's a point in a guy's career where you just need to admit what he is and what he isn't. Mm-hmm. And throughout the regular season, we did see huge leaps and bounds from from George Yang. We yes. saw growth on both sides of the floor. But when it came to the playoffs, he just wasn't ready for the moment. I think that he's a player that's just not kind of built for that kind of a game.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: When you when you look at George Yang, when you think about him, you think about him as such a young player and that like, you know, he's still developing. That was George's fifth year in the league.
1: Yeah. We're past the development stage.
0: Yeah. And so any growth that he has at this point is, is just kind of a bonus. It's not like I really knock him for not being ready either, because when the jazz put George Nying out on the floor during the playoffs, they know what they're going to get from him. Right. And so it's not like I can be too mad about that, or I can be too mad about the jazz, not getting more out of him or him not performing like I feel like he did exactly as expected, which is not great. But again, that question of what was expected of you and how did you perform in that role? Mm -hmm. George is just a small minute rotational player. That's what he is.
1: Yeah, he's, he's super limited. He's super flawed. He's good at a few things. He's a dynamite shooter. And he was very good for the Jazz as a three-point shooter. I thought he made strides on defense, especially effort. I thought the man put in the work, put in the effort. He came into training camp looking fit, Yep, which is not something you can always say about George Niang throughout his career. And I applaud him. I think he was a huge plus for the Jazz during the regular season as a rotational small ball four which is exactly what he is, but when you're that limited, you can only go so far and he is a situational player and the playoffs were not the situation for him.
0: It points to, again, the problems on the Jazz's roster. They, mm-hmm. they just weren't deep enough, they weren't versatile enough because Niang is the type of player where if you're in a tight game during the playoffs, kind of coming down to the wire and you start to decide to sub out for offensive and defensive possessions you put them in there and you park them in the corner to try to get a three and then you sub in someone else to try to get a stop the jazz don't have the players to to do that and so instead he's left on the floor in those situations and he's just not he's not built for the quickness and the physicalness of playoff defense I think that that points to the problems of the Jazz's roster more than it points to problems with like, like, yes, we can say that George Niang's game is flawed, but it's like, we knew those flaws coming into this season. So it's not like I'm shocked by anything. If anything, I was impressed by him.
1: Yeah, agreed. I think that he was impressive throughout the season. He ran into a situation that he couldn't, he couldn't combat in the, in the playoffs. He's too flawed of a player.
0: For me, I give him a B, you know, with that, I also give the caveat that I don't think that the jazz can really move forward with him and expect for him to be the player that sort of everyone wants him to be rather than the player that he is.
1: Yeah. I, I grade him a little harsher, much like Joe Ingalls in that, um, he was very good for the jazz in the regular season but man that playoff performance against both the grizzlies and the clippers was was just abysmal like he looked like he looked like a fish out of water like t- driving and taking floaters and missing rotation after rotation and shooting like 20 from the field like He, again, like he's the third player we've mentioned now coming off the bench who was a liability for the jazz. And for that, like, if you can't, if you can't play in the playoffs, I got to knock you and I got to knock you hard because that's when things really matter.
0: Yeah. the, The one thing I will say is just to take into account, he was only playing about 11 minutes a game in the playoffs.
1: Still, but those 11 minutes were net negatives and how many times did we see the Jazz blow big leads when George Niang was on the floor in the playoffs
0: yeah. Oh God those floaters against Memphis I forgot about those
1: They're just just bad man and like all that hard work and all of that you like know, goodwill all of yeah well and all of the the contributions the regular season don't mean if you can't produce in the playoffs and he could not produce in the playoffs and if I'm Justin Zanuck give him a hearty handshake and a pat on the back. And I say, thank you very much for everything you've done. Appreciate all of your hard work. And we wish you the best for the rest of your career, wherever that may be. Goodbye. Goodbye.
0: Next up, we're starting to get down into the the lower non-rotation guys. Uh, sort of the last guy that got any sort of significant minutes really is Mieone. I feel like the jazz really wanted me to be something. Mm -hmm. And I did too. I mean, I, I love watching these end of bench guys is one of my very favorite parts of the NBA is trying to figure out who's going to develop into something. Who's going to break out off the, off the deep bench. And Honestly, Mieoni was a little bit disappointing because some of the things that he does that you really like is the, you know, the offensive rebounding or the tap outs or getting at a loose ball, like the effort stuff is what he's really good at. You cannot, you can't build a career on that being the only thing that you do.
1: Yeah. It seems to me the jazz have this idea that Oni is a three and D guy problem is Oni can't shoot and Miyaoni fouls at a higher rate than any player in the NBA. <laughs> he cannot defend.
0: Yeah. Listen, I I don't want to like get after a guy too hard in just his second year, you know? Yeah. But we have part of the part of the grading this season is that the Jazz are at that point where you can't just like develop a bunch of dudes. Like you need dudes that are either going to be able to play or not. And Miyoni, he is not long for this world as far as playoff basketball is concerned. He's not ready. He's not there. He can't contribute enough. And he's not um, that guy. He's not that guy. I don't think that he's good enough to keep around. And and that's really disappointing to say, because if, you know, if this was the jazz two or three years ago, I think you give him a couple more years and he might actually get to that point, but the jazz don't have the time for that. And he wasn't able to do it.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Like the jazz are past the Tony Bradley experiment phase. That's the type of player me. is. I agree hundred percent with you. Uh, my grade on me. this the season is a D I'll
0: give him a C. And I guess the reason that I'm just n- not as harsh is exactly kind of what I said, if this was another team with a little bit more time, I wouldn't be as harsh, but you're right.
1: He was still a guy that like you needed and the jazz had to rely on in certain Times throughout the season, especially when Don and Mike were hurt and he could not produce, right. he was a lia- Like I know we've talked about people being liabilities in the playoffs. Mieoni was a liability. Period. Yeah, can't defend, can't shoot, and you can't make. Like you said, you can't make a career off of offensive rebounds.
0: Right, Ursan Ilyasova. Uh, <laughs> I think he played. I think he played seventeen games. And he shot 43% from three, the jazz barely used him. Maybe if they'd used him a little bit more, we could actually evaluate so that. what he would have done for this team, but they didn't use him. And so they brought in the guy to fill a roster spot because they needed to meet a quota on roster spots. He filled the spot. He shot the ball when he was in the game. What more can you ask from the guy B plus.
1: Yeah. Cool. Great. Yeah.
0: Juwan Morgan. Once we're down at this spot in the roster, we start to get into that, into the into the weeds that we, we spoke about sort of in, in the eulogy on the Jazz and the Postmortem where the guys who were supposed to be developing, you know, the Mie Juwan Morgans, Jarrell Brantleys, et cetera, we didn't get a chance to see them develop because Quinn Snyder was so restrictive with the roster.
1: And I still, I just that's the thing that continues to eat me when I think about this team in the season, how many times did the jazz have a 20 point lead midway through the, the fourth quarter and the starters are still in.
0: Right. And like Ju- Juwan Morgan, it was like, uh, these numbers might be off cause I, I haven't memorized them. I'm sorry mm-hmm. that I haven't memorized Juwan Morgan's numbers, but.
1: Get it together.
0: <laughs> Beat writer. Call yourself um, a reporter. I'm a hack. Juwan Morgan played like eight more games this season than he did last season, which already I'm like, should have been more. It was like 28 games, I think, that he played this season. And then, but he played less minutes because the Jazz just would not take their starters out of the game.
1: Yeah, I think that's the biggest criticism you can give Quinn side of this season. I think the Jazz, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't have the, the actual stat in front of me, but just trying to piece it together from memory that the jazz played their end of rotation guys, fewer minutes than any team in the league.
0: Yeah. Because you know, again, you didn't rest guys. You didn't take them out when you had huge leads and when you did, it was three, four, five, six, seven minutes after almost anybody else was thinking, okay, when are you, when are you going to wave the flag? When are you going to, you know, empty the bench? Not only did does that put you know more pressure, more load on your main rotation, but it leaves less time for those developing players. I mean, and even if you want to keep some of your starters out there, that's actually the best way to develop yes. those young guys, is to sprinkle them in. You know, play a fourth quarter where you've got Don and Jordan on the floor and then put three of those into the bench guys in.
1: Wouldn't have
0: hurt. Probably would have helped. And, and, and who so gives a
1: shit if you lose three or four more games in the regular season?
0: Yeah, and it leaves me sort of unable to evaluate a guy like Juan Morgan because I just like don't know how much progress or not or decline he's had from last season. And so I give him a B, basically based on the fact that I don't know.
1: Yeah, I I'm with you. I just simply don't know, at all. And that's a huge disappointment because I thought he showed some promise last season.
0: I kind of get the, have the same grade, same grade. I give a B to Elijah Hughes, Mm -hmm. you know, your second round rookie is not going to get a ton of minutes anyways in his first season. And so it's not like I expected a lot out of him or a lot of minutes, but again, he didn't get enough for me to really evaluate. He had a couple of good minutes. He shot the ball a little bit better than I was expecting him to. Mm -hmm. I give him a B too.
1: Yeah. I think that I think I'm with this I'm probably grading Elijah Hughes on potential. I think he right. can be like a bucket getter in the league. B. Yeah, sure. Great. Uh
0: the Jazz's other rookie this season, Udoka Azubike, I am not grading him. I decided to go a pass fail system with Doke mm-hmm. because he was injured all season. He didn't have time to develop. And so he passes just for the fact that he was able to stay with the team and not look incredibly depressed all season.
1: Yeah. He looked great at the end of the bench. I do, however, give the jazz front office a failing grade on drafting as a bookie. Not his fault. Yep. But that was a really stupid draft pick.
0: Use the entire MLE on Derek
1: favors. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Meanwhile, Jay Crowder's in the NBA Finals. Yeah. For the second straight season.
0: My harshest grade for the season goes to one Matt Thomas. F. (laughs) I give him a D, D minus. The Jazz. Traded a second round pick for Matt Thomas, and he was an above 40% shooter who was supposed to be like up, upwards on his development. The Toronto Raptors have a really good history of developing players. And so there was a lot of good faith that was put into that. And he showed up to the jazz and he shot 25% from three in garbage time, which means that he was doing it against horrible defense. Thought you were supposed to be a shooter, buddy. Bad. Yeah just bad
1: my dude buddy
0: next he'll be gone yeah
1: yeah <laughs> thank you for your service guy goodbye
0: and then we've got our two-way players it is difficult for me to be objective about Jarrell Bradley
1: <laughs> I love him so much
0: I love him so much uh oh I forgot we forgot to bring up uh and this whether or not it should definitely goes into my grading of drill Brantley. I put out a call a a couple of weeks ago on Twitter uh, for a mailbag that I was writing for deseret.com. I said, Hey, jazz fans, send me your favorite moments of the season. Let's remember the good times. Drill Brantley quote tweeted that and said, my favorite moment was you believing in me. What a sweet boy.
1: (laughs) My sweet, sweet angel, baby,
0: our thick jacked King. Uh, I just love him so much. I want all good things for Jarrell Brantley.
1: All I want this offseason is, well, two things. I want the Jazz to re-sign Jarell Brantley. And then I just, I want to work out with him. I want to go and do squats with Jarrell Brantley. <laughs> I want to deadlift with Jarrell Brantley.
0: I, f- I feel like there's no reason not to give Jarrell Brantley a minimum.
1: Mm-hmm. Why not? I, th- I still think he's I still think he's a guy. I think he's an NBA guy. I don't know what that ultimately amounts to. We have talked ad nauseum together and on the pod that he is a guy who is a deserving and B needs more minutes. Yes, He's a flow of the game kind of guy. But when you actually see him play a decent amount of minutes, he makes things happen. He can create his own shot. He can defend multiple positions. He has the capability of being that other wing defender that the jazz need.
0: And on the other side of the ball, uh, listen, I'm, I tried to sort of find reasons just to justify giving Jarrell Brantley a good grade. And then Mm -hmm. when I actually went and looked at the numbers, I was like, Oh, I don't even have to try that hard because we know that he can be a good defender, but He played in 28 games this season, almost exclusively in garbage time. He had that one game where he was given, he was given regular minutes and he shined. He did a great job.
1: It was that Lakers game, correct? Yeah. Yeah. He played great. It was awesome. And
0: so despite not having time to continue his development, despite the fact that he wasn't given time on the floor with the rotational players last season, Okay. His field goal percentage was 35.7. Not great. Mm -mm. His three point percentage was 23.1. Really not great this season. Again, despite not having the time field goal percentage, 48.1 good three point percentage, 42.9.
1: Very good play Jarrell Brantley.
0: We stand our King Jarrell he deserve. why not give him a minimum? Why not? Why not? Why not? All right. Gerrell Brantley, you get a B plus. I love him. I love him too. <laughs> and our final, final grade for the 2020-21 season, Trent Forrest. It's I'm a, I'm of the understanding that the Jazz like this guy. And it seems like the jazz players really like him too. And there were, you know, he's kind he's got a good handle. He seems like he can, he can create his own shot. Well, but he shoots, he's a guard. He's a point guard really. And he shoots 19% from three.
1: I don't care if you can create your own shot. if It <laughs> doesn't ever go in yeah. the I, man, yeah. the number one thing when it comes to basketball. Like, the key to winning a basketball game yeah. is scoring more points than your opponent.
0: I swear to God, if the Jazz give a minimum to Trent Forrest and we don't see Jarrell Brantley back, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm a riot. I'm going to flip this table over.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I am of the idea, I am of the belief that I do not think that Trent Forrest is an NBA player. Yeah. I think that Trent Forrest is going to make wonderful money in Tel Aviv and that's where he belongs
0: yeah he had a couple of good games when Mike and Don were out he played point still shot the ball just terribly during those minutes you know stepping up when the team needed him I just based on that give him a little bit of a bump it doesn't take him above a C so C for
1: Trent Forrest I think the biggest indictment on Trent Forrest is He's the exact type of guy you would want to fill a void for the jazz. Yeah. The jazz desperately need a backup point guard. Yeah. And he was incapable of being that for the jazz. And, and I think he- that needs to be taken into consideration.
0: Uh, it was also disappointing because it was like he had the opportunity. Yes. He was given a chance. It was like, Hey, we got two our bat, our all-star backcourt. They're out. And Quinn Snyder gave him minutes And he just didn't impress enough. And I know, I know that he's a young player and that he hasn't had much time, but you, you would have had, I think other guys on the team, given that opportunity, take more of a step
1: Mm -hmm. drill Brantley (laughs) (coughs) could have (coughs) got (coughs) Desmond Bain in the draft. (laughs) Anyway,
0: do we, do we want to grade Quinn Snyder? Yeah, let's do it. going to have to talk through this one a little bit. What are the pros? What do, what do we see as the pros for Quinn Snyder?
1: He coached the team with the best record in the NBA throughout the regular season. He had three players make the all-star game. He had another player win six man of the year. He had a player who was all NBA.
0: He was a coach of the year candidate.
1: He was a coach of the year candidate. He had a team that was both top five in offensive and defensive net rating.
0: One of the um, best three-point shooting teams in NBA history.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There the list goes on. Quinn Snyder. I don't think I'm going out on a, on a limb here that I say that Quinn Snyder is a good coach. No, that's not might a even limb. be like I don't think I'm going out a limb if I say he's a very good coach. That I think he is in the upper echelon of NBA coaches. He is brilliant. The man has forgotten more about basketball than you and I will probably ever know. Definitely. However, how whomever. <laughs> He is not without his flaws and they were exposed terribly.
0: I think that, you know, there and we have to make sure that we sort of separate some of the problems that we saw from the jazz on whether or not it's Quinn Snyder or it's the front office. And so, you know, kind of hamstringing the jazz into this, you know, traditional four player center lineup. Mm-hmm. That is not Quinn Snyder's fault. Yep. He did what he could with what he had. Yes. Sometimes.
1: <laughs>
0: because I'm pretty sure that it is Quinn Snyder who is the one that decides not to try out Ursan Ilyasova.
1: Yeah. Or who decides not to develop his young guys.
0: Yeah. who And he's the one who is, is playing the starters into the mid fourth quarter during a blowout game that's Quinn Snyder Mm -hmm. for those reasons I do I do take away from him and I think that that is fair yeah if I'm thinking about the cons like you said the pro list is very long and I think the con list is very short but I think that I think that the criticisms that we have of Quinn Snyder and honestly help me if I'm wrong not being willing to change up the rotation much, and also not being willing to take
1: out his starters and blowouts.
0: That's pretty, that's the two biggest criticisms, right?
1: That, and I think asking too much of guys, which again is part of the, the not extending the rotation thing.
0: Right. I think all things considered, especially with the year that the jazz had you take, cause we are taking into account the regular season and the playoffs. I think a lot of the problems that were in the playoffs were not Quinn Snyder's fault. It's not his uh-huh. fault. He had injured backcourt. It's not his fault that Rudy Gobert can't play five out. It is not his fault that he didn't have the roster that he needed. I think, I think all in all, he did a pretty good job. I'd give him a B plus yeah. on the whole.
1: I think I'm I'm right there with you. I think a B plus is the perfect grade for him because while he had a ton of positives in the season, and this is a season that I think Jazz fans, I know it it ended in a disappointing fashion. It was still a successful season. And if the Jazz, the Jazz were too Two wins away from the Western Conference Finals, and let's just hypothetically say they beat the Clippers and they they end up in the Western Conference Finals. Nobody's saying this kind of stuff. Right. Unfortunately, that's that's not the case. We did we as jazz fans did not get the results we were looking for, and there are there are reasons why. And yeah, I think the B plus is exactly it. Like not necessarily exactly what you wanted, you know. Right. You could be that strict parent and say, "This is this is very good. Why not an A?"
0: Right. Exactly. Um,
1: but still, again, like my boy comes with me and it's B pluses on his report card. Happy man. It's blizzard time, baby. You, you did good, kid. Proud of you.
0: Was that a was that a glass of champagne that Lindsay brought you?
1: She did, and I have no idea why.
0: That was beautiful.
1: Yeah, I have. <laughs> I'm so slam, jealous. Slam the champagne. I have no idea what, why I got the champagne. What Tune you d- in next week <laughs> to learn why I was drinking a glass of champagne during this episode. So jealous. That is how you tease.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think we can officially say that we are done with the 2020-21 season.
1: Done. Buried. Goodbye.
0: Goodbye. Next week, uh, we'll be looking forward. Next week, we will be talking free agency, maybe a mm-hmm. little bit of draft. We're gonna look at what the Jazz can do to fix things in, for the 2021-22 season. We are officially closing the book on the last one and looking, looking ahead.
1: Listen, I am 6'5". Mm-hmm. I'm 240 pounds. Mm-hmm. I still got a little bit of lateral movement. Yeah. Um, I am going to get on the Jarrell Brantley workout program. I am going to show up to training camp, both thick and jacked. And all I'm saying to the jazz is listen, give me a chance. I can, I can be that guy. I
0: won't be disclosing my weight on the podcast. (laughs) Um, I'm probably just in the thick category. I probably won't be jacked. (laughs)
1: Listen, you saw my jumper hey you saw my jumper yeah we got shooters i mean if you want you want shooters you want to go all in on offense yeah yeah
0: if you want to go if you're looking for snipers greg foster and sarah todd we're ready to go
1: holler at your folks
0: (laughs) greg i can't wait till our next pool day
1: yeah we got to get it in sometime this week
0: i can't wait to talk some more nba stuff with you I'm gonna enjoy the finals that are starting today,
1: right? What, what what's your prediction?
0: Sons and six.
1: I'm right there with you, sons and six.
0: All right, let's go, baby. Thank you so much for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, download, do all of the things. Follow Greg at Dad Champ Dad. Follow me at NBA Sarah. Follow the show at unsalvageables. Send us an email if you've got a question. We'll be doing mailbag episodes throughout the off season. Unsalvageable pod at gmail dot com, and we will talk to you next time.
1: Bye-bye. Goodbye.